Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Hello, geezer. All right, geezer. <laughs> Why have we gone to English? Well, because it's raining and it's miserable, and I oh, thought I'd just yeah. add the accent well, to match on. the it's weather. It's 40 degrees in London. Like, <sighs> but that, it's terrible that makes no here. Sense. It just hasn't stopped raining for like two weeks now. Two weeks. It's been like since December when that weird yeah. front came and we got torrential rain for about six months. Yeah, I don't think it's been that bad this time, but no, it's, it's more. Just, this is more English rain. You're right. It's, it's just powdery it's just shit, and constant stop. dribbling all the time. You're just like, oh, you get a moment of clear sky and then no, nah, it's back. It's back. <laughs> it's very English just to talk about the weather. I know. Well, I'm just that influence <laughs> of hanging out with you for so long. It's well, obviously, it's obviously rubbed off. There we go. Well, you've got me on almond flat whites, so <laughs> that that didn't happen in England. How's your week then? Pretty relaxed. Yeah. Relaxed so far. Reti- retired, unemployed life. Well, you're not retired. You've got plans. I've got plans, but I'm just having a bit of a a bit of a, a, a moment to breathe and, and not work and not have a hundred. It's funny, you know, I keep looking at my phone because I used to get like about a hundred emails a oh, day. Oh, don't we know it? I keep, I was looking at my phone going, refresh, no emails. Oh, but it, you sort of get um, almost trained to be constantly checking, 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 checking. It's, it's been a type unusual. of anxiety, to be honest. It's, Sorry? It, yeah. It's, 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 it's a phone addiction stroke anxiety. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I wake up in the morning and there's checking. like two emails. They're like of personal in nature or like <laughs> something I subscribe to, like a news bulletin Grow or something. Grow your penis pills. <laughs> Do they work? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I don't have that problem, luckily enough. All right. Okay. So, uh, so now I'll get you some. You can try them. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We're, we're here to, well, we were having some discussions in our um, private WhatsApp group, which everyone is free to join if they'd like. Correct. So it's not private. It's, it's open to the public. So yeah. please join. Yeah. Um, and discussions that we were having were, I guess, of uh, a nature relating to the business side of our industry. And I think that what dawned on us was that we've been, we've had a few discussions, a few peripheral conversations around things not specifically clinically based yeah. or influenced. Um, but it became obvious to us that we're kind of missing a large part, por- part portion of the conversations that are possible because even though these are medical practices, we're doing medical procedures, the doctors and nurses doing them, um, at the end of the day, they're still businesses yeah. and there are challenges that go along with those businesses. And as doctors and nurses, um, it's something that you don't really get trained in. I mean, there's only so many hours in your educational life that you can dedicate to becoming really good at something. I'll tell you it's not on profit and nush Yeah. Um, and so we thought, let's have some discussions around the business side of our industry because it is quite nuanced, but there are some basic underlying business principles that apply to every business. Yeah. And I thought, let's start with you um, as a bit of an introduction because yeah. it seems, you know, you've got a pretty interesting background. You've immigrated from the UK. You've worked in various different uh, businesses from chain clinics through to where you're working now, which is a, a high-end sort of plastic surgery led uh, clinic mm. and you do the injectables there and you've had a few other you know dabbled along the way in a few different things so 
might be a good way to open up this discussion and encourage people that are listening to this that may want to participate in these sort of business conversations moving forward. Now, I might just say I don't claim to be a business expert. <laughs> I did study business at university. Nothing I learned there has helped me in business at all. thought it was a complete waste of bloody time. Um, everything that I've learned has been through just life experiences and making mistakes. So I'm not claiming to be an expert. I have been doing it for 20 years. I've done lots of great things. I've made lots of mistakes and that's um, how I've, I guess, gotten to this point, but I'm happy to share what's worked for me and give people ideas and suggestions if they want to take them on board. So that's my disclaimer. <laughs> uh, good disclaimer. Yes. Don't listen to anything that David <laughs> says ever. It's, do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you know, I, I've worked with you for a number of years yeah. now and um, everyone who's worked with you has found you to be a good boss. Yep. Um, I enjoyed working with you. I think you're fair. Um, like you said, you've made your own mistakes in the past and, and, and you learn from that. Yeah. Same, same as any job. Well, you don't learn from doing things right. When, you, when you're doing things great, you think, oh, there's nothing to learn here. It's when things go sideways and you make a mistake or you have a disaster, you have, well, you're forced to reflect, or you should, but you, you're forced to reflect yeah. and think about, well, what went wrong there? Yeah. So I guess for our future episodes, yeah. uh, what should we call them? Should we call them the business of injecting? That's good. I like that. That'd be good. That's good. Yeah. See, that there we go. That, that latte's paying off already. The ideas are flowing. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess this is chapter one of Chap business Chap of injecting. Yeah. Um, but for the future ones, we, we've actually already got um, a future guest lined up. Yep. Um, it would be good if if you and that injector, yep. and you're going to do this, yes. um, have a bit of a preamble chat prior to the podcast. Yep. And so anyone listening thinking, oh, this is going to be for me. Yeah. You know, you'll you'll plan this with David and myself prior to sort of think about well, what are your friction points, or, yeah. or what are you struggling with from the business perspective? Yeah. Is it staffing? Is it location? Is it I don't know, whatever. Well, I mean, it, it's such a varied topic because um, you know what we're going to be discussing today with you is um, what your plans are moving forward, why you inject in the practices that you do. Um, how have you gotten to this point? What were the decisions that you had to make mm -hmm. along the way? Because everyone's got certain situations. You've got family responsibilities. You've immigrated to a different country. You might have different financial goals that you're looking to achieve. So as you said, you're everything from like um, working for someone else, working for yourself, starting a business. If you start this business, how are you going to get out of this business? Mm. Um, all the operational challenges, as you said, with staffing, compliance, um, finance, it's, it's such a broad topic and it's so nuanced. Yeah. Um, and so it'd be great to have conversations with people, even people that have had successes. What's really, what's work, what is working really well in your business? What do you do well? Because I think what we're trying to create here is a community yes. um, of practitioners, whether they be nurses or doctors or whatever, all around the world and actually um, support each other and learn from each other and share our successes and failures so that as a, as a global community in this space that we can elevate what we're doing. It's definitely needed. Yeah. Um, and, and it is the missing link. Um, I, I'm not aware of a service, or at least in Australia or, or the mm. countries that I've been to, where someone does a business, business consultancy sort of yep. you know, model or solution where they talk to injectors and sit down about their whole, you know, yeah. how, how they structure themselves. Yeah. I, I don't know of anyone who does that. No. And, and, even, and even things like marketing. I mean, you look at a lot of these marketing companies that are doing social media, for example, and giving advice to injectors, and they're all doing the same shit. You it's garbage. Know, <clears throat> photos of lips, uh, acai bowls, what they're eating, <laughs> inspirational <laughs> quotes and pictures of holidays and stuff like that. That seems to be like just the rinse, repeat yeah. um, advice that are given to a lot of injectors in terms of how they should promote themselves on social media. Yeah. yeah look, I've been approached by those companies and I've never used them. We tried actually for yeah. IA years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. 
and <laughs> I just thought it was garbage. And yeah. I said, we can't do this. Yeah. I actually, I don't know if anyone noticed, I deleted a lot of our old yeah. um, tiles. I just thought it was nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, it will come on to marketing, but just be authentic. <laughs> just talk about, yeah. and, and don't talk about anything if you've got nothing to say, just don't post. I know yeah, that doesn't there is serve that thing, the algorithm. It's like that thing. You need to be posting all the time. It's like, but what for? You're just creating clutter and noise and stuff that's and not really compelling. yourself out. Well, exactly. And also, you know, find, we'll get onto this, yes. but like find your own voice, find something that represents you. Yeah. Um, not just like infinite photos of the same thing over and over again. Because I scroll through social media now, I don't even know whose page I'm looking at, because they all look the same. Yeah. All the content looks identical. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I've actually got, I won't mention her name, I've been pseudo-mentoring uh, mm. a nurse. Um, she's actually one of our listeners. Oh, cool. I'm trying to persuade her to come on. You'll know who I'm talking about if you're listening to this. But um, I want th that particular thing about social media and how you represent yourself, she has changed as a result yep. of me sort of helping her and, and it really has helped her practice. Yeah. So I'm going to try and get her on. Yeah, good. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so how, how do we start this well, one? Because obviously I don't have questions for you per se, but maybe we'll just do it chronologically and yeah. just, just tell us the, 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 shoot from the, hip. the Sloan saga, where it all started. And yeah, I mean, we can just identify, you know, I guess uh, key moments yeah. or um, where you've had to make decisions where you've gone, uh, you know, what do I do here? This is the decision that I made. This is why I made it in retrospect. Was it right? Was it not? Yeah. What would I have done different? What did I learn? So I guess this chapter of business, the business rejection is a bit weird because like I, I, I'm more talking through my story. So it's a bit injector diaries, but a bit it's a business. Bit of a, bit of a hybrid. But, yeah. you know, when we have guests on, we'll it'll be a bit more structured. We're just kind of making this up as we go along. <laughs> but, um, you know, as everyone knows from the UK and my background was surgery. So, you know, relating to this, to business and injecting, um, I started injecting basically because I wanted to do plastics yep. and, and someone said to me, Hey, have you heard about this thing called Botox? You should do it. And, you know, obviously looked into it and I thought, actually, no, that would be really useful for my long-term career. So there was a bit of career planning as well as, you know, entrepreneurial kind of, I guess, spirit there. Cause I thought, wow, I can actually have something of my own outside mm. of the NHS. Yep. And, you know, if you speak to injectors, I think that's, that that's a big thing. They, they feel they want to have something outside of, of the constraints of hospital yep. or GP or whatever, you know, wherever they're based. Um, but I knew nothing. Mm. I knew absolutely jack all. Um, and so when I went to do a course, which, you know, was one of these one day learn it all kind of things, I came away knowing nothing yeah. still, you know, yes, I knew what a glabella was and I knew how to mix up a thing of Botox and, and I could do it one way, but it was very, very short sighted. Mm. And, you know, I'm not criticizing the course. I'm still in touch with those guys who run it and, and they've obviously changed and mm. evolved with the times. This was 2008. Yeah. But, um, you know, I guess my advice and learning point and, and what I would look back on and tell new injectors would be, sure, there are lots of one-day courses or two-day courses, whatever course, but think about how are you going to apply that knowledge to actually being on your own in a room and yeah. working and, 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 and that's going to guide where you work. You know, for example, I know every country is different and, and the UK seems, you know, it's a bit more flexible. But here in Australia, you're basically going to work in a chain clinic, mm -hmm. um, a boutique clinic, meaning sort of, you know, a, a standalone clinic that's not sort of franchised or, or got other um, clinics. Um, there are still sort of injectors sort of working out of, you know, salons and, and hairdressers and things like that. That you know, It's a little bit of a grey area whether mm. whether that's 
acceptable. sort of acceptable, yeah. but it's still happening. Or maybe in a derma or a plastics sort of, you know, more formal setup. Mm-hmm. Any other sort of models? Um, I've seen people just like renting rooms in like GP practices. Um, right. So it's sort of like hiring a small space. Yeah. Um, and that's, it, I mean, it, it's an inter- it's an interesting um, concept because there are lots of people that are out there wanting to do their own thing. And it's interesting watching the different strategies that they'll take to get started. And you sort of see that a, a, a lot with people that start off in chain clinics and they build up their their experience and they get through a lot of a lot of they get to treat a lot of patients because of the high volume nature of those businesses. And then mm. they sort of make a decision. They, they you know they're there for sort of you know two three four years potentially, and they've built up a whole a whole a whole lot of skill. And now they're ready to take that first step. So it's interesting watching the decisions that people make in terms of where they go from there. Yeah, I mean you know going back to where I started. Um, I originally was going to work actually in, in the clinic where my wife was working. Right. So Notting Hill, um, you know, it was, it was more of a, um, a spa than a medi spa that yeah. I don't remember them doing any of the medical services. Yeah. So it was like, um, massage skin treatments, but you know, sort of non-medical side, yeah. sort of more, um, pampering, um, colonic irrigation. Um, you know, it was quite wellness mm-hmm. rather than medical. And so immediately, you know, with retrospect, it was not the right place to set up yeah. uh, an injectables clinic, or at least not at the time, mm-hmm. maybe things have changed. And so it was a bit short-sighted to me to think that I'm going to develop a clientele mm-hmm. or have the support from the owners because they didn't know anything yeah. about um, injectables. Um, the patients themselves were coming for more wellness and and a sort of a more natural sort of, you know, holistic treatment, not aesthetic. Yeah. So, you know, it was just the wrong place to start. And and to be fair, I didn't last there very long as mm. a result of that. Um, but I knew, no, I was so naive then. I thought, oh, well, I've got somewhere to work. I'm going to be busy. Yeah. But didn't happen. So, it's yeah. An, it's an interesting concept, that whole one-stop shop concept. Yeah. And watching the way the market's responding to it. And it, it's sort of like the supermarket of like treatments where you yeah. can go in and get everything. But I don't know whether or not people are still, if that's resonating with people, because if you look at the way the world's moving, everything's becoming subspecialized. Mm. You know, you've got ortho- orthopedic surgeons that just do shoulders or mm. just do knees. You've got plastics that just do breasts or just do facelifts. Sure, there are people that do dabble in lots of stuff, but I think we're starting to see that real that real focus on subspecialization. Yeah. And I think the commute, like patients or the general public are starting to recognize that you can't be everything to everybody. Yeah. And those sorts of models are very complicated to run. You've got lots of plates spinning at the same time. Devices, um, equipment, exactly. Staff. So, it, I mean, I don't know what the right answer is, but it's an interesting concept to explore and discuss is, you know, are these one-stop shops the future or are we returning to a world where everything is becoming more boutique and subspecialized? Well, yeah, it remains to be seen. I, I think if you had a, an investor who was really heavily into mm what we do they may be able to pull it off if they buy a big enough space and they have the capital and the vision i think there's a place for that place but i don't think everyone can do it i i I just don't believe that and and, and like you say some i mean even myself like i I have decided very clearly i'm an injector so don't pretend that i'm a a laser guru or play around with threads or or, or other modalities that i'm not knocking other doctors there are other doctors who do all of it but i just feel that i am good at 
injecting. Yeah. And it's I'm sort of taking away my focus by learning a completely different thing that to be fair lasers are done by other people here in well, Australia. I mean, do you understand the concept the concept of um I can't the name of the person who sort of came up with this concept uh, escapes me for the moment, but if I remember it I'll I'll talk about it later or bring it up in another episode, but this concept of 10,000 hours of mastery to yeah. become good at something. So if you've got I think that originally related to air, airplane pilots right. and surgeons. Yeah, <clears throat> but I think it's pretty transferable to a lot of a lot of skill sets. Yeah, um, depending on how difficult the task is that you're talking about. And I think this task, like becoming a cosmetic doctor and specialising in injectables, when you look at the range of different fillers, the different planes you can inject in, cannulas, needles, you know, and then you've got biostimulatory treatments and all your toxins, and there's just like seems like it's becoming a deeper and deeper pursuit mm. um, as you go. And if you've got a certain amount of hours in a lifetime to become exceptional at something. Yeah. The more you dilute that with trying to master more skills, the less potent each one of like the, well, that's le- how less my energy, brain works. the less energy you can focus on one. Maybe there thing. are people more skilled or, or, or have more mental capacity. Well, it's just than time. Me. It's yeah. just time and repetition. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Yeah. I mean, I put this can sound bad if if I'm not right, but I, I personally felt like when Threads came on the market here in Australia, or or again because they were launched many mm-hmm. years ago and they sort of had a yeah. rebirth, but yeah. it felt to me that some doctors wanted to do it one because they wanted to do it, but two because it was distinguishing themselves as doing something different yeah. because at the time it, it you weren't having nurses doing mm-hmm. threads um, it was seen as a little bit more surgical a mm-hmm. little bit more yep. procedural and fair enough doctors wanted to differentiate themselves so I know a lot of people tried and, and sort of dabbled and they kept on persisting and then you know they sort of invested in a device because they felt like they had yeah. to have one or or again they wanted to differentiate themselves and I'm sure it works for some people, but I don't feel that you should feel the pressure to have to do that. No. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. If, if, you know, if you're skilled at injecting, which is basically what we're talking about, work on it. Yeah. Develop those skills, be better, uh, master the whole face, get your consults better because you, you don't have to sort of do other things to have a good business. Or, yeah. Or, or, I don't I, think I don't so. Yeah, do. I, I agree. If you, can, if you can be exceptional at something, focus on that. Yeah, that, that's my opinion is to focus on on what you're passionate about. I mean, do you really want to do parts of your job? That, I mean, like offering laser, but you hate laser, but you're doing it because you feel like you need to. I, I mean, that is, that, is that really what you want to do? You yeah. want to start learning about wavelengths and, you know, all like it's, as I said, when you work so many hours a day and this is your career, like do the stuff that you love doing and yeah. that you're naturally inclined towards and you potentially have a flair for. Yeah. But also if you're listening yeah. and, and that's your thing, I'll do it. Jump yeah. at it. Do yeah. it. Don't, don't, I'm not saying lasers are bad. No, no, no not at all. But w- most of our community are injectors. Yeah. And, and I do feel that there's this constant pressure, particularly from newer injectors to kind of learn new skills, yeah. and, but not just with injecting. So they'll want to do a random skin course just because they feel like they have to. Um, fair enough. You want to know some basic knowledge. And, and, and I agree. I've learned a lot just from the podcast, let yeah. alone, you know, f- from my work and stuff. But you, you don't have to constantly do totally random things just to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, and this is a question I was going to ask you was, you know, in those uh, sort of infancy stages of your career, like, did you have a mentor? Because that's something that's quite powerful in terms of identifying someone whose career you think, hey, that that looks great. I, I, I like what you've achieved. I, I, I can see the journey that you've been on. Help me get there. Um, did you have that? I had an informal mentor, but I yeah. still talked to him. So his name's Ravi Jane, Dr. Ravi Jane. He's in the UK in yeah. Harpenden. Yeah. So he's got a beautiful clinic. Where's uh, that? Where's Harpenden? It's 
north of London, near Stevenage. Not not that means anything to you, but right, okay. it's, it's a beautiful little sort of understood London, more rural. It's not <laughs> yeah. like in the city. Right, 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 right. Anyway, um, so Ravi established a practice must be well over a decade ago yeah. now. Um, he previously was a, a Galderma KOL. And I saw Ravi talking at a talk one day, I think it was like the Emmerville launch or, right. you know, Emmerville was sort of a filler prior to being absorbed into the rest of lane range. Yep. Anyway, um, and I thought, oh, that was a good talk. I, I kind of liked him. So I literally just went up to him at the end of the talk and kind of awkwardly introduced myself. And by the way, this, this is before I, I, I knew no one. I was yeah. a nothing. I was a solo injector. I didn't yeah. have a clinic. I was doing it on the side like two hours a week yeah. or, or less, you know, and I was like literally no one. So graciously, he gave me his time. He introduced himself. He said, sure, here's my number. Pop down to the clinic. You're welcome to come in hang, you know, sit in a consultation, whatever you want out of it, we, we can discuss it. And yeah. I thought, cool. Yeah. And it turned out that Ravi had actually already taken on someone, I guess, with a similar background to me. His name was Hardik. Um, I don't know if Hardik listens, but yeah. he's, I'm pretty sure he's still, I think he moved to Australia. Which I think he lives in Melbourne. Anyway, um, Hardik was in a similar position to me where he was like, mm, am I going to stay in hospital? Dunno. Um, he sort of became a more formal apprentice or, or mentee of, of Ravi. They did um, cases together. He had his own list, but also Ravi did a bit of, um, you know, like simple lipo mm -hmm. as well in his clinic. And he had a sort of a, a theater in his clinic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sort of training someone up in a, in a formal capacity. So I thought, yeah. well, that could suit me. And I, I did a few days with Ravi and theater and, and consulting, but I just... Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't ready to leave the NHS. I, yeah. I, I still had that kind of uh, maybe lack of confidence yeah. or, or worry that injecting wasn't enough or maybe just the market then wasn't as established as it is now. It, yeah. it, it would seem silly to say now, oh, there aren't enough patients. Yeah. You know, injecting is not a big enough thing. It, it clearly is now. But in 2008, no, 2009 changed. in the UK, not entirely sure that yeah. that was the case. Yeah. So I just didn't have the balls basically to, yeah. to leave my my previous career yeah and i think that is the big dilemma for, for many injectors yeah. listening who are new they don't know when is the right time and i i don't know if i can give them a right time but my my advice would be and, and you've told me sure. this: what is your goal yeah where do you want to be in five years ten years and you know yeah. eventually what's your exit strategy and and honestly i don't have an exit strategy because yeah. i enjoy work yeah i'd see myself as a doctor injector i'm always going to be teaching injecting training something in that realm i can't imagine not doing it eventually mm -hmm. i can't do that forever yeah um and i know that you probably think that's no short-sighted no well it's i mean first of all before we get to that i wanted to talk just about the mentor thing and i, I think that um you know you're quite an outgoing person mm. like you're not shy to come and talk to people you're a great networker and and i've seen that in the tight short time that you've been in australia a lot of injectors aren't like that mm. they're nervous they're shy um they feel maybe embarrassed or they have the fear of someone's rejecting them and saying look i'm not interested in being your mentor yeah and i think that could be a challenge for a lot of people because I, I do think that having those people um, that you can look up to and support you, as particularly in those uh, those early stages of your career. But you know, obviously, as things go on, it, um, it's great having that relationship and, and people that you can learn from and, and help you in situations where you're stressed. You've got yeah. a, an issue that's cropped up. You need some advice, and from someone that's that has mentored people in the past, it's actually nice. It's it's actually a nice feeling to be approached and and someone that feels like you've reached a point where they could learn from you, and also. 
for anyone that's listening that thinks I would like to be a mentor, you actually learn a lot yourself from you people who know less than you or people that are coming to you from, for help because you've got to sort of be on your A game and you start thinking about things because people ask you questions and you think, fuck, I never really thought about why I do that or what, what, what is the principle behind that strategy? And it actually makes you better. Yeah. So I think if you are someone that's thinking about getting a mentor, like what's your worst case scenario? If you, if you don't ask, you've already started with a no. I, I you know will I mean? say that, yeah. um, you know, you see this a lot on Facebook forums where people are looking for men, mentors or, yep. or you know, someone to take them on. And that's fine. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. But I do think you, you also need to put yourself in the position of the mentor and be like, well, how is this going to be a win-win? Yep. You know, are you just there to freeload, take all the skill and then leave? Yeah. Or is the conversation going to be, look, if you train me up, my goal is to actually be your lead injector and you know, or, yeah. or whatever your skill set is yeah. and, and actually contribute to, you know, the mentor's yeah. got to get something out of it. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that that's a good point, but there's also the concept of just paying it forward. Do you know what I mean? Like being that person for someone else. Oh, for sure. I'm not, and, and, and so yeah. I'm, 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 I agree with you. It, it always has to work on, on the concept of a win-win, but I think there's also merit in just doing the right thing for the greater good of, yeah. our, of our industry. And, Doing, you don't. Sometimes you don't have to get something back from someone to do a kind deed or, or to go out of your way. You sound to help like them. an arsehole now. No, you don't. No, no, it, no it's not because <laughs> no, I think it, it always, I, I, you always need to focus on a win-win. But sometimes, as well, in, in addition to that, I'm not saying you're wrong or I disagree with you. I'm just saying concurrently to that concept. Yeah. Just being the person that gives initially, I, I, and, I, and I, I think, think yeah. um, having gone through the hospital system and trained medical students yeah. and sharing with colleagues and, and injectors, like it, it's in my nature to always do that. Yeah. Well, but for many, it's not. Well, here, here's a concept to think about. The better that you, if you've got, if you think you're in a position or someone thinks you've gotten to a position where they could get your advice and you can make them a better injector or a better business person or just a better person in general, the world is a better place. Our industry is a better place the standard of care and what we do increases. Yeah. So it's sort of like doing your, sort of like people that think, well, what's a, you know, Australia is such a small part of the world. Why should we worry about the pollution that Australia is putting out? But it's mm -hmm. like, if every person has that, that thought process, then nothing progresses. Heal and, the world. Yeah. <laughs> make it a yeah, better exactly. place. Exactly. We should get some background music for you. Is there a button here for that? Um, that you can start being, being proactive in raising the standard of what we do as a global community. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. Hopefully people yeah. realise that's what the podcast yeah. does or well, I think so. that's a feedback. The feedback that, that, that I've got from a few people that I've spoken to is that, you know, this has now become their resource for... Um, the weird shit that they can't get anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, knowledge and information because a lot of them feel that some of the information they might be getting from, you know, various reps or people that have got a vested interest in a certain outcome or you're purchasing a certain product or training you in a certain way or handing you a study which says something great about their product and something mm. potentially bad about someone else's product. Everyone's got a vested interest, whereas I think that people find this community like we don't have nothing to gain by sort of having these conversations really. Um, it's about just providing honest, unbiased information that people can then take on board and either implement it or, or decide it's not for them. Correct. And, and we take the criticism as well. It's sure. not for everyone. You don't have Absolutely. to listen to us. So what, what were you saying before I went back to the mentor thing? You um, were talking about, oh, the plan of, of getting out. Yeah, I, I guess. And, and where you're going to work. We were talking about yeah. the, the, the various models. I mean, yeah. Let's just relate it to Australia. For, well, let's relate it to the UK again. So I bounced around a couple of different places, essentially renting a room. And again, 
for me, a bit short-sighted because sure, you can rent a room anywhere, but if you don't have like the support of, you know, the clinic and they understand what you're doing and they're trying to drive a marketing strategy yeah. and support you and understand when things don't go right, you know, yeah. dealing with, you know, minor issues or, or complaints, I, I don't think it's a good mm. model. So again, you know, not knocking people who do this, but working out of salons and hairdressers, that, that's why it's not seen as the gold standard. Yeah. One from a, a safety and a sort of compliance perspective, but just the vibe isn't suggesting that they're in a medical environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, if you work in one of your old clinics, yeah. well, it's all geared up for it. Yeah. All the equipment's there. Everyone's speaking the same language. Your boss yeah. knows what should, you're doing and should support you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't always work out No, it way. doesn't. And, and that's a problem with a lot of um, chain clinic concepts, not just chain clinics and clinics in general or businesses that are owned by entrepreneurs or business-minded people is that they don't, have any great insight into this industry um, in terms of understanding the products, the procedures, the things that can go wrong, the injector mindset. Um, everything's quite nuanced. Legal in- ramifications. Co- correct. So I think that there is a responsibility for people that own these businesses who aren't medical practitioners to take it upon themselves to educate themselves. And, and that's something that's helped me relate to injectors over the years is even though I'm not, I've never injected anyone with a product I haven't, I'm not medically trained or, or, or not. qualified. <laughs> Um, is that I understand though, I can have intelligent discussions. I understand where you're coming from. I can empathize when you have a patient complaint and look at it objectively and look at a result and go, well, that actually is a shit result. Or you know what, that actually is a good result and what you've done is fair enough. And being able to have that conversation with the people that are working with you, for you, um, it's just a respect thing, I think. And if you, yeah. Joking aside, you know, we've kind of, laughed in the past about you know our various treatments that we've had and so on but i you know i think if you have a boss who has been injected and has had filler Mm -hmm. and understands the concept of swelling downtime not great results good results um that's it couldn't be more powerful to speak the same language with your boss who isn't an injector but gets it yeah whereas you know there are even some i don't know uh pharma reps out there who are teaching people about a product who have never had it. Yeah. And I've always had an issue of that because it's like, you're trying to sell me a car, but you can't drive. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like seriously, yeah. you're not speaking from, from real experience. Yeah. And also just from a business perspective, knowing what's what, not being in a position where someone can't pull the wool over your eyes yeah. because you're not medically trained. Yeah. Um, especially from a compliance perspective, customer service perspective, or patient perspective, patient um, service perspective. The more that you can um, arm yourself with in terms of knowledge of this industry and treatments, the better you'll be able to run your business and also have relationships with your injectors. Yeah. Because if they don't feel they can talk to you or you can communicate on, this, on the same level, it's very difficult to develop that that really important relationship between business owner and an employee or contract or whatever, or whatever the particular arrangement is that you have. hundred percent. Um, so my last, uh, place where I worked in yep. the UK was called beyond Medispa. It was a proper Medispa with a medical director, a proper owner who's been doing it for, you know, yep. five, 10 years, multiple injectors, mm-hmm. uh, actually Sarah Tonks who oh, we've yeah. had on worked there. Yep. That's where we met. Right. Um, it was in a, you know, a high-end department store right at the top. Um, I felt like part of something rather than I'm a random injector renting a room. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, patients were served up, um, product was provided, 
there were protocols, uh, you know, just admin support. Yeah. And that was probably the first job that I did where I was like, okay, this is how it should be because it was just so easy for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that, you know, that will work for everyone, but, you know, maybe we'll talk about the chain clinics yeah. here because I feel like, sure. you know, many pros and cons, but the pros are everything is served up for you as an injector. Yeah. It's like a turnkey solution. I, I worked there. Yeah. I worked with you. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. um, they get a lot of criticism, but if you're a new injector, you get training. Um, advice, uh, sorry, ongoing training, not just, you know, preliminary, but it goes yeah. on. Um, product is provided. Um, you've got admin staff and receptionist. You've got therapists to support you. Um, you can sort of generally be quite busy quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I think there are better and worse ways of doing it, but it's not a bad no. start. I think, I think a lot of the negative criticism has just been the commoditization, because that's generally what they have done is commoditized yeah. a lot of these treatments because of the large footprint and the large volumes and lower prices. And I understand where that criticism criticism can come from. And I think a lot of assumptions are made around if it's a cheap price, it must be dodgy, it must not be compliant. Yeah. And in, in some instances, perhaps that's true. But I think for, for the most part, a lot of the large reputable chain clinics, because they are so big and because there's so much finance and uh, um manpower behind them they tend to get these things right yeah um most of the time because when you're when you're that big you have a target painted on your back everyone's looking at you everyone knows who you are if there's yeah. a story the media are going to be a lot more interested in a large business than like you know doctor or nurse so-and-so in a small room somewhere flying under the radar correct you know if you're out there and you've got that big footprint you are going to be a target for um criticism yeah uh, and, and and um coverage when things go wrong but i think for the most part they do have they have it all pretty well figured out in yeah, terms, of, so. in terms and, of compliance. And that's what I needed yeah. because I was an unknown quantity. I'd made my decision to leave hospital. I'll be honest. Um, what I looked at was how much can I earn a day as a locum surgeon flying to God knows where a day <laughs> or, yeah. or for five days yeah. know, and being away from the family as well versus what can I earn on an average day, not a good day, but an average yeah. day in, in your clinic. Yep. And, you know, every clinic's different but the way it works at your old clinics was you basically had sort of a spreadsheet mm -hmm. and you plug in some numbers and it tells you what you've earned for the day it's yep. called a com tracker yeah anyway and i was like this is a freaking no-brainer yeah i'm obviously going to be doing the injecting because i don't have to move anywhere earn a solid pretty reliable salary obviously it'll be slightly variable rather than knowing what you're going to do yeah. and i think that again is one stumbling block or, yeah. or, or sort of um you know new injectors struggle with not being paid a salary anymore? Well, there's concepts that, you know, I've implemented in my businesses to help new injectors, which is to give them a period of time where they earn like a daily minimum. Yeah. So no matter what happens during that day, you will earn X amount of dollars per hour. Yeah. And then at the end of say a two week or month period, you work out, will they have earned more in their commission in terms of you know, the percentage that they get for, for performing the treatment on the patient or would they have earned more on the hourly rate? Yeah. And so I always used to work on a concept of I need to support these people. As long as they're not taking the piss and just, you know, sitting at, sitting there waiting for patients to come in, you need to be proactively out there, um, you know, sitting at front desk, greeting clients, yeah. um, making yourself known, being, being proactive generally. I'm happy to support that person yeah. and make sure that they've got – because you don't want to walk into a place where you don't have – a fallback position if you have no patience. You don't want to be turning up for nothing. People have got families to feed and, yes. and financial responsibility. So I always worked on a concept of if you do the right thing by me, 
I'll do the right thing by you. We'll provide you with a daily minimum amount. And then at the end of the, the, the billing period, we'll work out if you earn more in, in sort of commission or you earn more in your hourly rate and you'd get the better of the two. Yeah. And that seemed to be quite a, a successful uh, concept oh, that, sure. that gave injectors comfort to know that while they're building up their business, and we'll talk about building up injector businesses either today or in, late, in later discussions, um, it does take a period of time. And it's important that you do have the support of that business behind you to ensure that you can feed yourself while you're building up your, your patient database. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, particularly for um, newer, say, nurse injectors just coming out of uni or, 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 you know, the opposite. They've done a long career in hospital and they're making the jump to yep. injecting. That's probably the reason why they, they, they feel like they're in limbo or they don't want to commit because if they don't know what they're going to earn. Yeah. So strategies like that are fantastic. Yeah. It's something to, to think about as well. I think a lot of people... Um, catastrophize or think about all the things that can go wrong. But I think it's important to just sit down and, and think like almost unemotionally and just work on facts. If this fails, what is my worst case scenario? Yeah. And your, and your answer to that will be different depending on what stage of your life you're at. Do you have two kids at home that are relying on you bringing an income in? And if you have a drop in that, it's going to be a disaster. Or is it simply a case of, well, if this doesn't work out, I can just go back to what I was doing before. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people... Um, over uh, focus on the negative um, and get emotionally invested in, in that sort of process rather than just sitting down and having a logical discussion with themselves or with their mentor and work out, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, what is my fallback position? Yep. And just that simple process itself, it can be quite li mentally liberating in terms of having the confidence to take that next step is what is my worst case scenario? Is my worst? Can I live with my worst case scenario? Is it going to be the end of the world? Am I going to be out on the street homeless and my kid's not going to be able to eat if yeah. this fails? And I think there's a society we've been taught that it's not okay to fail. Yeah, true. Um, and if you don't take risks, you know, for, <laughs> I, I, I fortune favours the brave. That, yeah. That, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I can't speak for all nursing backgrounds, but yes. it does seem to be a relatively flexible job for not not all nursing, but- well, There's um, a shortage can, of them around the yeah, world. Yeah, you can be yeah. a bank nurse or a locum nurse. Um, you can sort of dip in and out of um, various sort of uh, admin roles. But for a doctor, <laughs> you know, I, I can't sort of- sort of yeah. slot back into my training role. No, that yeah. doesn't exist. So, well, Yeah, but there's also the opportunity to potentially have concurrent careers. So you potentially start injecting, um, you know, three or four days a week and keep yourself on a casual pool somewhere. Yes. Keep your clinic, clinical skills up, have a fallback position. So you're sort of dipping your toe in the water and, and taking that next step, but you still got, you know, you still got hold of the branch behind you that you can swing back to if you need to. So I think it's just about... A lot of people um, just make a decision, and there hasn't it hasn't really been thought out, and they haven't really, you know, sort of uh, mentally worked out what's the plan, and, and what happens in this scenario. If this doesn't work, what can I do? And it's it doesn't take long, but it's just taking taking a bit of time to just sort of map out yeah. what will what what I want to do, and what are my sort of fallback positions, or what well how I, how do I react if it doesn't go according to plan. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess what we also haven't discussed, and yeah. it's important for people listening who are maybe not made that leap to inject yet, yeah. it's why do you want to inject? Yeah. Because, yeah. What's you the know, motivation? mine was several fold. And, and honestly, one, I, well, at the very start of the career, I wasn't burnt out at all. I was actually yeah. quite a keen, you know, yeah. doctor. And I just thought it would work with my, you know, future aspiration to be mm -hmm. a plastic surgeon, which obviously I didn't follow. Yeah. Um, but as, as time went on and, and when I did eventually leave, I think it was just burnt out is probably the wrong word, but definitely over mm. 
the system, yep. uh, however you want to put it. And it wasn't sort of a a well thought out reason of why to leave. It was just, I have to leave. It's common. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely not saying that's the right time to leave. You, you, you certainly want to do what you, you mm-hmm. just sort of went through and plan it properly. Think about your strategies or your, your halfway strategy where, where you can sort of dip in and out. But, um, there are many injectors who don't really think about it. They just see the, the, the sort of the rewards, mm-hmm. but they don't really have the personal, um, fire almost yeah. you know what i mean have you seen that with, yeah with absolutely who, who yeah you've... i've had lots of conversations with people that have applied for roles whether they be doctors or nurses in my clinics over the years and you do get a percentage of people that have sort of reached that point in their career where they don't want to do what they want to do anymore they're kind of over it and this seems like a good place to earn money and it seems less stressful and and to me um the mo- those motivations really aren't enough for yeah. me to take someone on um, they, it's, not, it's not just like, well, I want to do this because I'm over something else. It, yeah, yeah, you I, need to really be. I guess I would agree there. that it can be, but not if you don't have the the passion and yeah. the drive and the willingness to learn. Yeah, which is hard if you if, well, if you haven't gone into it for the right reasons. Well, I've had conversations with people that don't know anything about it, so they turn up for an interview or an informal discussion and they know nothing. So at least pretend. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like at least do your homework. At least know what it is you, you're so talking. So what they've about. turned up from a you know yeah, a, nursing a, nursing someone like a I remember one she was in her sort of early to mid forties, been a nurse her whole career. You know, had a, a few arguments with her with her bosses and mm. just reached you know reached a, a breaking point and just said that's it. I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go and do something else. Oh, <laughs> injecting looks like it's a nice easy place to make money. I'll go and make those inquiries. Right. And you sit down and you just know straight away they don't know anything about the industry. Um, they've never had a treatment done. Not to say that you have to have a treatment done to be part of the industry, but it, I mean, it's like sense. being a chef that doesn't like food. I mean, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it helps. Yeah. Um, and so having the right motivations because it does look, everything looks great from the outside. Everything looks glitzy and, and fantastic. You know, that grass is always greener on the other side concept. But there are hard days. It does take time to build up your patience. It is a steep learning curve. You are dealing with difficult people in a different way. Maybe not physically difficult, but mentally there might be some issues. There might be unrealistic expectations. You're all of a sudden working, especially for nurses, you know, you're not working as part of a system or a team. Mm. You are now the sole practitioner, still working under the guidance and, and supervision of a doctor. But for the most part, you're it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Playing, well, it's not really devil's advocate, but what, what do you, do you think there's a, a role for, how do I put this, sort of the less ambitious injector? You know, not everyone has to be, you know, Mr. Incredible or Mrs. Incredible oh, injector. Do you think that yep. there is a place for um, a safe and steady injector yep. who doesn't build crazy, but yeah. they do make a career yeah. shift and they make a career of that? Yeah. And just to clarify, just to sort of qualify what I was saying, I wasn't talking about identifying people that are superstars, but be interested and passionate. You don't have to be a huge biller and a huge sales guru to be a great injector. So it's about for me is what are your motivations? And then the separate separate question you've asked is, well, does everyone need to be a superstar? And I think we were talking downstairs before we grabbed a coffee. And I'll relate it to soccer because you're a soccer head. Maybe maybe (laughs) I'll- Soccer head. Yeah. (laughs) Football. Football 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 head. Um, You can't have a team full of Ronaldos. It wouldn't work. Um, and generally people that are high performing, high sales people, high billers, it comes, it comes at a cost. Generally there, there's an inflated ego. Um, 
their He's looking at me here. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> inflated ego, you know, quite precious, can be quite difficult to work with. Um, sometimes patients feel like they've been too pushy. Yeah. And so it, there's no free lunch, you know what I mean? Like that sort of high-performing injector. Poten- there's a trade-off. Potentially, potentially, like – and if they, if they don't have those characteristics, I refer to them as the unicorn injector. Was I one? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> Bit of a prick sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> um, but it's not – especially if you've got a team, you want to have different people in your team yeah. that balance each other out. You, yeah. need, you need the yin and the yang. You need someone that's slow and steady, consistent. Um, Doesn't you know, they, do, do huge they, doses, but yeah. they see their regulars every Correct. day. And their, patient, and their patients love that. So I think that having a team, like an eclectic mix of, of people who have different skills and different personality types, different aesthetics, different age groups, maybe male, maybe female. If you've got a larger business or you've got multiple injectors, it is nice to have different different options for people. So yeah. you don't have to be this absolute you know, powerhouse biller yeah. to be a, a good successful injector with a long career. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Just be true to yourself and yeah. you know, patience will find you. Um, I was thinking about uh, what you said about, um, you know, being an injector mm. who sort of works well with teams. One of the most important things that I learned working yeah. with your teams was, I mean, it sounds so, I mean, I, I wouldn't not do this, but some people are quite, um, you know, introverted or a bit shy, but yeah. you've got to go and make friends with the therapists. Yeah, of and, and, and obviously your receptionist. Yeah. You can't just sit in your room and sort of, you know, watch youtube videos you've got to get out there talk to the girls talk to them about what you do what you don't do so yep. they don't refer you noses for example if you yep. don't do noses yeah um but also they're going to be your biggest um ambassadors and advocates they're going to get you patients yeah um and obviously reception you know train them is probably the wrong word but talk to them about how, how you practice how, how you like to mm. run things um you know if you get yep. common things coming up nip it in the bud talk to them about it yeah and um, we were just talking again downstairs about you know things like you know taking deposits or making sure if someone um doesn't turn up that they're sent an email to explain what your policy is so mm-hmm. it doesn't ever happen again yeah or just th- silly things like that that many businesses just sort of tolerate or don't nip in the bud yeah and i think well the philosophy that, I, that i've always had is that every person in your team is equally as important yeah to the process so even though the injector might be the person scoring all the goals or bringing in all the, the major dollars that come into the business, if you don't have those people that are passing them the ball yeah. and make, taking care of the patient once they finish with you, rebooking them, giving them a good experience when they greeted it in the, in the clinic or when they leave or if there's an issue and they call up that they're greeted by someone that's personable and polite and it's going to be attentive and make things happen quickly, yeah. you need to be supported by a team. And I think as a business owner, if you put your injector on a pedestal and make everyone pander to them, first of all, you're creating a megalomaniac, yeah. which is a nightmare to deal with. <laughs> um, and it makes the people in the team that aren't the injector feel less than or yeah. not as important. And to have a business where you have multiple injectors or a larger organization, everyone needs to feel valued. Everyone needs to feel like they're an equally important part of that team. You need to treat everybody the same. Even though your injector is the person scoring the goals, you got to get them the ball and make sure the ball keeps coming back to them. Because yeah. if, the pa- if there's some part of that patient journey that's failing, like a rude, a rude front of house person or then, you know, the clinic's not looking right or your software system's not doing what it's supposed to do, everything needs, needs to work. And treating everyone the same helps create more camaraderie amongst the team. If they feel like there's a hierarchy where someone is a, a beyond reproach or they can get away with bad behavior and you're just going to accept it because that person's making all the money, you're doomed for failure. Yeah. Have you worked yeah. with 
Yeah, I've, I've, learned, I've learned from that myself. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've been held to ransom by injectors who potentially got became too important to my business. Mm. They be, became too reliant on them, and then then they start to know that you need them. It shouldn't be that one person needs one person more than the other. It needs to be mutually. Yeah. You know, there needs to be a mutual level of respect and need and understanding between all the parties. If one person feels like they've got you over a barrel, mm. they will potentially, you create a monster. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, there's a few of them. <laughs> um, and I've learned from that. Yeah. You know, you need to make everyone, and I make that very clear from day one, is that no one here is more important than anyone else. I mean, joking aside, yeah. like what happened when things came to a head mm-hmm. and what was the... What well, I had, I had an injector that was basically running roughshod over one of my clinics. She became What's a huge, roughshod? Oh, basically, she was just ba- lording over the entire business, right. essentially. Um, bad behavior. Diva. You know, getting getting people to go and grab, you know, clicking her fingers at people Holy and getting shit. people to go and grab lunch for her, <laughs> make me a coffee, you know, not trying to commandeer them into doing their clinical notes for them because they're too busy and too important to do notes. You know, someone else should be doing that for wow. them. Um, and the, and what happened was that um, I had sort of taken my eye off the ball because I'd have, have a few different businesses. And this person had grown into monster. this monster um, who had a huge command over a large portion of, of my patients in the business. Um, I was having um, therapists come crying to me because they'd been abused or spoken rudely to or yelled Shh. at. Um, and once you're in that situation, it's, it's hard to dig yourself out. And I had to dig myself out of it. And it was effectively like almost an 18 month plan to get rid of this person Mm. because they were unfixable. Um, they had become so, um, extreme in their behavior. I think there was some illicit, uh, drug use that had started to creep in as well. Wow. Okay. You know, she used to go around quoting how much money she was making to people. Like it just became an absolute nightmare, but she had the business by the balls. She had me by the balls and she had the business by the balls because mm. she was the one of the, she the only injector and her clients liked her. So she was sort of like this Jekyll and Hyde type of character where her patients liked her, but anyone that worked with her was just petrified of her or hated her. Yeah. Um, and you fa- I found myself in a really good, difficult situation where I had to bring on other injectors and slowly start diminishing Dilute. our reliance on this one person. And it took time and nursing to staff through that process and putting systems in place that protected them from this, this tyrant effectively that had sort of commandeered control of the business from underneath me while I took my eye off the ball. Wow. And that was a big lesson to me in terms of understanding how treating everyone equally, not allowing the ego to develop, um, de-risking your business by having multiple people involved and rather than being reliant on, because that person gets up and leaves, they're taking X percentage of patients with them yeah, um, and they can cripple you. Yeah. And so when they know, when someone knows they've got that over you, they'll use that to their advantage. A lot of the time they'll use that to their advantage. Here's a question. Yeah. When you did eventually part company, yeah. are they still successful? No. And this is what happened as well. Point is that, proven. And this was the and th- and this is what happened as well because this person had become so successful, they started taking on the, uh, the the position that the success of the business and her and her success was all because of her. Mm. There was no, um, I guess, consideration to the efforts that were going on in terms of marketing this person or the support staff that made her patients um, like coming back in, the way the clinic was set up and maintained. Um, all of those things were completely um, forgotten about and it was yeah. all about, I'm just a superstar wow. and you need me more than I need you and if I leave, you're screwed. You know, those were the conversations that were had and it was, it was, it was again, learning from my mistake by me taking my eye off the ball and allowing this monster to develop. 
and then having to go in and basically unfuck the situation yeah. was a huge lesson for me in terms of not allowing that to happen in the future and identifying how did this happen? Why did it happen? What was the impact of this happening? How did it affect the people in my team? What was going to happen if I allowed it to continue? And having to make some really tough decisions and actually sit down and map out a plan, how the hell do I get rid of this person now? Yeah. Because they're so entrenched in my business. If I make a mistake, could lose fifty percent of could your destroy business. everything. Yeah. yeah. And so this um, is yeah. I, I guess again, relating this back to our listeners, this is a good example of once you work in a team rather than on your own in, say, a rented room, yeah. things get more complicated. But there are huge benefits of working with that sort of formal team strategy, proper setup, yep. um, you know, marketing, uh, equipment, product, like everything is there for you. Whereas if you're, you know, renting a room somewhere, you're basically a one man band yep. and it's hard. I've tried it. Well, it is. And, and it's also comes back to what are your, what are your career goals? I mean, do you want to, once you've finished injecting, because nothing in this life lasts forever, eventually <laughs> it's going to get to a point where you might go, fuck it, I don't want to do any more lips or Botox on my for this shit. I just want to go and do something. All I can't life. see a day yet, but yeah. Yeah, or you'll, start, or you'll start to slow down. Yeah, or, yeah of you course. Know, and so, you know, this injecting career, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to get you to where you want to be in life, to yep. support your family, to be able to afford the things that you want to buy, to be able to retire and not have to work when you're in your later years. It's a vehicle. So thinking about what is my long-term goal once I finish injecting? Because if I'm a single, oper if I'm a single injector in a room injecting, you can't ever sell that business. Yeah, because you are the business. Yeah, I will again. Devil's advocate. That, that's yeah. a very entrepreneurial way of yep. looking at it. Like exit strategies, selling yep. the business, retirement, yep. being set up for life. Again, is it okay to have a career till your you know late fifties or whatever as a full time injector? I mean, sure. I think that's valid. Absolutely, but you'd need. To, and there's no right or wrong, but it needs to be part of an overall an overarching plan of your financial career yeah um because as i said you know maybe you just maybe you're quite happy walking away from your business when you're 40 or 50 years old and you're a, you're a standalone operator mm -hmm. and you're not you don't you can't sell your business but that's okay because the money that you've made during that process you've invested and, and put it to work in investment properties or yeah. shares or you've got a diversified diversified portfolio or you've invested in other businesses that's fine yeah but you just need to know because I think a lot of people just start their business and they're in it and then they get busy and then they all of a sudden get to this point and they go, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. I can't sell this thing. I haven't set up. I haven't invested in in other um, income uh, generating uh, assets. Yes. And I'm stuck. I can't stop working because I don't know. What, I haven't set up anything. You're using your hands to Correct. To so it's not like there's one, there's no right or wrong. It, but it's just about you do need to have a plan. Yeah. And that's okay. And also the plan can change. And, and it's an important point to make is that just because you make a plan today doesn't mean the plan can't change in two years. Yeah. But, you know, failure failure to plan is planning is planning to fail. You know I, I do wonder, yeah. where, I'm just sort of thinking as we're talking, whether yeah. there's wheels in doing an episode on this kind of financial planning. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. don't want to get too nitty gritty and every country is different, but yeah. some of those broader yeah. things, like you said, I think it would be useful for people. Yeah. And we can even bring on, you know, people that are experts in financial planning and I can have conversations with them. I mean, I'm not a financial planner, but I, I just know from from coming from an entrepreneurial background and, and having these conversations with other people, um, I've those things have dawned on me. Yeah. Um, 
and it's just about being aware of them yeah. and, and having a plan and knowing where you're going and knowing how, you, how you're going to get out eventually because you can't inject forever. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So following on from, I guess, uh, talking about finances, et cetera, I think mm. a lot of new injectors or maybe even <clears throat> you know, more experienced injectors, they often don't understand their financial position or their salary. Yeah. Obviously, you, know, you do a tax return at the end of the year and you sort of know, but I think as people go, they sort of see a lot of money coming in, but they don't necessarily think about you know, all the money they're paying on indemnity insurance and um, stock and, and, yeah. and all the kind of, you know, disposable costs of dressing packs and needles. And, you know, I, I think it's important to sort of have a grip on, on where, where you are day to day or week to week rather yeah. than year to year. Yeah. Um, do you see that with, yeah. with injectors? Of course. I mean, um, I, I see it with a lot of injectors who work in a chain clinic and then like the idea of starting their own business. Mm. Um, and when everything's been provided to them before, <laughs> yeah. like there's just, as you said, dressing packs and gauze and needles and all that sort of stuff's there. Um, high lays. Gloves. Gloves, all that kind of stuff. And just all the equipment to deck it out, bed and bed Oxygen. sheets. And, oh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And I think that, um, and having the cash flow to order the stock. Yes. Because the stuff's not cheap. Um, yeah. And so I think a lot of injectors leave sort of the safety or the nest of like a chain clinic or being in a, in a larger, a larger team and go out on their own. And they're suddenly quite con they're confronted Consumed with, with constant with costs. The, yeah. And I think that it's important that before you make that decision is to actually go through the process of creating a spreadsheet, Yeah, which is pretty simple to do in Excel. Um, you can learn it basic um, formulas pretty easily. Yeah. Um, even I figured it out and I'm not an Excel guru by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, and actually creating a budget and actually working out what your true profit margin is on a treatment. And yeah. that also come down to setting your prices. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I do see a lot of injectors and this is quite Australian specific, but they're modeling what they're going to charge as a solo injector on what they used to do in a chain clinic. Yeah, huh. I'm like, why? For, for so many reasons, why? But one, because you're not going to earn much. Mm -hmm. um, but also, why are you trying to compete with that market when you're not in the market anymore? Well, and also, you're not going to be able to get all those supplies as cheap as those chain clinics were because no. they're using their large buying power with like multiple injectors and multiple locations to negotiate a really <laughs> cheap price with the supplier. You're not going to get that anymore. Yeah. Unless you join some sort of buying group for product. But I don't think there's buying groups for like- Not allowed. I'll just that, put it out there. Oh, is that not allowed now? Uh, look, I, I think traditionally it was sort of not even accepted, just sort of ignored as just a thing. But well, for example, if you join Fresh Clinics, okay, well, we yeah. would call it a buying group. Yeah, um, that's different. Yeah, but there, there are strategies that you can get stuff slightly cheaper. I, but, I guess what still, you know, people who don't understand what we mean. So historically years ago, you would have a prescribing doctor because yeah. in Australia you need a prescribing doctor as a nurse to yeah. um, facilitate, you know, you're injecting. And that doctor would look after a harem of like 50 nurses, yeah, right. not really having any real oversight over any of them particularly. Mm -hmm. And it's just that they had 50 people under one account getting a better deal. That's yep. what we mean by a buying group. Yep. And obviously just by the way I'm describing it, it doesn't sound great, yep. but that was accepted at some point and now I don't think it is. Yeah. Um, so I think the takeaway uh, point there was that things are not going to be as cheap as they were. Um, so don't model your new business off what <laughs> what the clinic that you're working at bought them for. Yes. Because that's probably not going to be the case. You, you'll be pretty poor pretty yeah. quickly. So yeah, budgeting is important. You need to go through 
the process of actually working all that out so that you can set your prices appropriately because you may need to increase your prices and, you know, maybe that's fine um, yeah. because now rather than seeing 15 patients in a day, you're seeing six patients in a day. But those six patients you're spending a longer time with, it's it's a different experience for those patients. You consult properly with them. Yeah. You I make mean, and, and a year's not, treatment plan. Yeah, and that's not to say you, you can't consult properly in the chain clinics, but just taking a different approach. Um, More time. Yeah, could impact and, and even if it's just perception, make your patient feel really valued. Yeah. Well, because um, you know. at the end of the day, I mean, there are a lot of good injectors. I think, you know, to be a great injector is difficult, sort of like that law of diminishing returns. Mm. To be The difference between being a good injector and a great injector, you know, each little sort of incremental increase in your skill is harder and harder to achieve the better you get. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of good injectors out there. Yeah, for and sure. And so what differentiates you from all the other injectors? Is it the way you do your Botox or your fillers? Maybe not. But how does that patient feel when they're with you? Yeah. Do you have a rapport with them? Do you have a connection? Do you make them feel important when they sit in front of you? Are you attentive? Do you communicate with them in a way that makes them feel comfortable and that and they're confident that you understand their needs and you're confident as a as a as a provider yeah. that they understand your philosophies and what you're prepared to do and what you're not? Yeah. Um, and that relationship. And I think that that's what differentiates a lot of injectors from each other. It's not the actual aesthetic outcome it's the experience i think when we had um penny our friend yeah. penny timberlake yeah. on yeah. many 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 uh episodes ago like episode 30 or something yeah right she talked about the x yeah. factor yeah it, it, it you're right it's it, your results could be fine yeah. but maybe not outstanding but your patient feels well, like this person's got my back this person's nice to be with we have a fun yeah. together we, we you know you ask about their family whatever your connection is yeah but they enjoy seeing you yeah well think about a restaurant the food could be amazing but the service is shit yeah and the ambience is shit and it and and it doesn't matter how good the food is and the food the food i'm sort of relating to the actual treatment um <laughs> we got that yeah i just <laughs> could ruin the whole experience and yeah. it might not be somewhere that you want to go back to but there might be a place that does Pretty decent food, but you, you love being there. The vibe's great. All the, the wait staff are amazing. You know, you say hi to the chef when you walk in. You've got your regular seat. <laughs> hey, yeah. And like that, Fonzie when you correct. walk in. Yeah, yeah. And that might be, you know, and, and to a large extent, I think that is almost as powerful, if not more powerful than the actual more food. important. So, yeah. You feel welcomed and valued and yeah. liked. And I think that a lot of people focus too much on the clinical side. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You definitely should. <laughs> but don't forget the other things. Yeah. Which are equally or if not more important to your patient experience and retention. And we were talking about this again downstairs was looking at, you know, what are the metrics of identifying whether your business is successful or not. And I would argue that rather than the number of new people coming in, how many of the people that you treat actually come back? Yeah. Well, that's your value of did yeah. it work and were they yeah. happy? Yeah, because you see a lot of the a lot of these clinics, especially a lot, a lot of the chain clinics, they spend so much money on marketing sure. and like social media campaigns and refer a friend campaign and all every every conceivable um, option to drag patients in, and then they never come back. Yeah. So what's the point? Because they've come for the cheap deal or the free whatever. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I'll just look for the next deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I know we've kind of joked in the past yeah. about Groupon deals. Yes. And Groupon scoop on whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it doesn't work because they're not coming for you. They're coming for a bit of money off. Yeah. Or, and by the way, you're not allowed to advertise injectables, at least here in Australia, mm -hmm. as a incentive. Like you can't do like a deal for people. Yeah. It's got to be a consistent price throughout and mm -hmm. you've got to advertise in another way. Yeah. But, you know, just the, the premise of doing deals, it's just a bit crap yeah 
Yeah. You want that person to come back because they like you and they liked your treatment. Yeah. Generally, the, the tire kickers will give you the most headaches as well. Oh, yeah. They're the most demanding. They want everything for nothing. You could do something for free and they'll still complain. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just the nature, it's just the nature of that demographic of people. Um, I try and avoid them at all costs. Um, people and, and you get pretty good at identifying them pretty yeah. early on. Yeah. yeah. Going back to uh, what we're saying about, uh, new injectors as well. Um, yeah. and you were sort of talking about the technique's got to be good. Of course it's got to be good, but I do feel, um, even with some of the training that um, some of the pharma companies give or, or, or yeah. some of these third-party courses that are done, the, the, the focus is very heavily on the technique yes. and the, the anatomy and, and all that stuff, which, of course, you've got to know. But yeah. there's no thought process about consent yeah. all the th soft touches that we just spoke about about yeah. how, how do you how do you interpret body language yeah. and and yeah all the soft you, skills all, all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. bedside manner mm -hmm. um and obviously facial assessment and, yeah. and working out well sure you can do a tear trough technically but is it right for that person yeah um j just all these things that i think you can learn with the experience but i wonder if there's a way of formally yeah. learning some of it or at least acknowledging what you're not good at yeah and and focusing on it yeah uh, have you found that with your injectors <laughs> that they've sort of been trained but they're not really rounded trained well and that's where i guess my value has been in the business is to have those conversations because you've seen it all before i've seen it all before um <laughs> yeah. in terms of making a lot of the time it's even just making people aware because it's sort of like the forgotten skill set that's just glossed over or overlooked because you're so focused on the clinical outcome and the, you know, the rheology of this filler and if I'm going to use a cannula, like all these technical things, which are obviously very important to know. But even just being aware of them is like the first step mm. in implementing them in, into your practice and the way you present you, the way you dress. Like, what do your treatments look like? Do you look like a freak show? Are you going to scare off patients that potentially don't want that look? Yeah. Not judging anyone. I mean, you know, everyone's entitled to, to sort of do what they want for themselves, but be, have an understanding of what type of patient you're trying to attract. Yeah. And everything needs to marry up with that and be consistent. Um, you know, if you've got a very exaggerated look, you're probably going to alienate a lot of people who maybe don't want to look that way. Yeah. Um, or if you have a very natural look, you're probably, you know, may, maybe you're not going to get as many of those sort of exaggerated patients coming in and that's okay. So you, you can't be everything to everybody. It's about being true to yourself and then attracting the, the people that are on the same on the same journey on the same page as you or on the same bus such yeah. an important point i remember um i think when we had miranda on um she mm -hmm. discussed miranda pierce sorry oh, yes, yes, yes. she was discussing about identifying your dream patient yeah. or your dream client I, th I think she called yeah. it um it's exactly what you were just saying so you know what are their well where are they currently going and and what are you what can you do better yeah um Obviously, price point may come up, but I yeah. think you have to, even if you're more expensive, you have yeah. to demonstrate what value extra you're adding. Um, what are their fears and worries? What are their barriers? You know, like you said, if if, if your your own look is a little bit more extreme and you're not going to get the, the mid-40s who've never done it, they're, yeah. they're not going to come to you yeah. if you've got big lips. It's yeah. just, you know, it does scare them off. I remember, I, I forgot how many times people would say, oh, uh, you know, that therapist, they've got those really big lips. You're not going to do that to me, are you? Yeah. So even the people within your yep. clinic are, are sort of adverts of yep. kind of what what the perception of what you're offering is. Yeah. So Absolutely. all of these things are really important. Yeah, and be consistent. Yeah. yeah, and also, you know, 
working out how you're going to communicate with different types of patients. Yeah. So are you going to be approaching your consultation slightly differently? I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, mine are, mine are quite well oiled now, but I remember at the start, I, I sort of had a, a different chat for younger patients versus older patients because they want different things. Yeah. Of course they do. Younger people aren't trying to look younger. Yeah. Whereas older people aren't necessarily wanting to look augmented. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just thinking yeah. about how you talk to people as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the culture of your team too is something that's important and picking people that complement each other. Yeah. Even in the personality type. Because you could bring in someone that can disrupt the whole culture to your team. Yeah. And it's sort of like cancer. It's really hard to get rid of it because it spreads. Mm. It's all, I've been in situations before where you've almost had to like terminate an entire team. Oh, shit. And start again. Because even if you get rid of a couple of people, that that culture is embedded and it will spread to the new people. It's metastasized. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's something that you need to sort of guard like, you know, quite closely is that culture of your business. Can and you the, give an example of that? Because, you know, there'll be... In fact, I can think of someone who I spoke to just a few weeks ago. She was actually in Paris with me Mm -hmm. and she got back to her clinic Mm -hmm. and she noticed a culture change. Her staff were kind of a bit bullshy, didn't want to work back chat and and something had clearly changed. And she now has to sort of amputate. Yeah. Because otherwise it's not going to work. So yeah, Yeah. give us an example. I mean, so we've had people in the team before that were quite, um, you know, didn't really respect authority. And I've never been the type of boss that's been overly sort of, you know, bossy. I try and talk to everyone the same and and not sort of, um, I guess, present myself as, as, you know, the big scary boss. It's about communicating with people, you know, just as, as individuals and, and just sort of everyone's on the same sort of a level. If you have to get to the point where you have to like start, you know, getting the big stick out you've probably already lost it's probably already it's probably gone too far yeah to be honest with you um but you do you've had situations with people before who you know they take the piss with you know with doing half an hour toilet breaks all the time Mm. um thinking it's okay to rock up you know they come in two minutes late to work one day and then then the next day they got away with that so they come in five minutes late next day and then a couple of weeks later they might turn up half an hour late and so it's about nipping these things in the bud early and setting the expectation really really early on um, and I have had situations before where you've had really good staff members who have seen, well, hold on a second, you know, just random name. Kate, for example, has no one says anything to her when she doesn't come back from the toilet in like what would be considered a reasonable, um, you know, time. <laughs> Half an hour ain't normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I should do that. Mm. And, and it's sort of people follow, I mean, as, as a, I guess as a species, you know, look, we have a very much like a herd mentality. A lot of the time people follow other people. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you like, for example, um, you've always got your early adopters of a concept or a product. And then once an it is a critical mass, everyone sort of jumps on board. Yeah. And it's, it's the same. It's Little just sheep. Yeah. It's, it's a natural human um, behavior. And so if you start to uh, allowing a develop a culture develop in your business where people start getting away with things and start taking liberties. It happens really quickly yep. where other people will start mimicking that behavior. And yep. someone that was originally one of your superstar staff members or team members um, starts to get influenced by someone that thinks it's okay to back chat or be disrespectful or make inappropriate comments or, you know, take liberties with, with breaks and turning up late or even dress code. You know, you have a, you might have a policy where, for example, even though I'm covered in tattoos, I had a policy for a while where if you have a tattoo, that's fine, but it can't be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of soften my stance on that a bit <laughs> so now. Some face tattoos. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but you know, if all of a sudden, if you've let one staff member come in and she doesn't cover a tattoo or he or she covers a ta- doesn't cover a tattoo one day Everyone else and, goes. and you don't pick up on it, all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks later, people are coming in and, you know, no one's covering their tattoos anymore. Just out of interest because yeah. I don't have tattoos. Why, why did you make that policy? Um, just because I think it's still confronting to, um, and, and, and the thing as well is that like there are, in my opinion, there are nice tattoos and there are really offensive tattoos and there are tattoos that are more um, socially acceptable in certain places. So I think that most people are comfortable with like, you know, one on the arm or, you know, maybe, you know, there are plate, but once you start putting it on like face, neck, fingers, hands, I think that to a lot, especially older clientele, mm-hmm. um, it can be a little bit confronting and feel like- well, I think th- you've come from prison basically. Yeah, what like this to is maybe not, the t- <laughs> you know, like, and I, I think as well, like I know people in my parents' generation, like the only people that had tattoos when they were growing up were criminals. Yeah. Um, you know, bikies and, and people that sort of operated on, on you know in the underbelly of society. Um, but that's changed now. I mean, a tattoo tattoo art is a genuine art form now, and there's some amazing work being done. It's a lot more socially acceptable, but there is still a generation of people that find that confronting. So if you're trying to attract an older clientele, like people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, for example, oh yeah, for sure, um, it may be that that doesn't correlate with the type of um, business that you're trying to create and the clientele that you're trying or the patients you're trying to draw into your business. So there's no right or wrong, but it's again, you just have being, to have a being rule. consistent and understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve and the patients you want in your business. So, um, yeah, it just, and, and so I think that, um, you can't tell people what they can and can't do with their body, but you definitely can have a dress code yeah. around certain things. And so 100%. that was just an example of, of that sort of thing happening. But yeah, it's happened. And that's the advantage of having, you know, worked in this industry for so long and ha- having so many businesses in it. And y- you learn from all these, all these, it's all these scenarios. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, there's so much to learn. It's, it's like a whole skill set all, all on its own. And it's, um, and I think it's unfair of us as an industry to expect us to have those skills when no one's really taught them to us. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually leading on to what yeah. I was going to say, and I guess relating this back to yeah. things that I struggled with or have learned from, um, trying to do everything on my own. Yeah. Um, for example, my website yeah. or, um, I don't know, my finances or my mm-hmm. invoices or, or whatever it may be. Some things you have to do on your own. You can't farm everything out. Yeah. And to be honest, I still do my own website because I actually don't think it has that much value Yeah, uh, in this day and age anyway. No, it's almost like you just have to have it as a, it's as like a, a mandatory it's kind like a of proof that I'm a real person almost. Yeah. Uh, and there's like a you know a yeah. price list and so on, but yeah. no one spends much time on my website, and and even when I point them to it, they're just going to my Instagram or they've got my card or whatever. Yeah. But you know, back in the day when websites were maybe more important, I probably didn't invest enough yeah. in it or, or 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 give it to someone who is actually skilled. Yeah. And I think that example goes for many things. And you, you you've mm-hmm. said this before: if you're not good at something, find someone who is and and sort of upgrade yourself yeah. uh, and your business. Yeah. I mean, even when you and I started having discussions around your finances and we started to ask a few questions around, you know, how much do you want to earn? And something came up around tax or your accounting. And I'm like, doesn't what? make sense. What the fuck's going on here? Like, why are you paying <laughs> so much tax? And we ended up getting on the phone with your accountant. And I asked a few questions and I'm thinking, I'm not an accountant, but this doesn't sound right. And it turned out that the accounting practice that, that you were with was a doc, was a, a firm that that specialised in taking care of the accounting needs of doctors, but they were doctors that were working in a, like hospital. a hospital setting. They were earning a salary, not someone that was working as a contractor. Yeah, and so your structure 
for your scenario was meaning that you were paying all this money in tax. It was wrong. That you shouldn't have been. Yeah. And so even though we didn't increase the amount of money you were earning, the amount of money that was ending up in your pocket changed drastically once you got accounting advice yes. that was in line with your particular financial situation and the way you were structured. And that's a good example of, yeah. I did try to farm out that service and it was still wrong. Yeah. So, you know, checking these things now and then or getting yeah. someone who knows better than, yeah. better than what you do, i.e. you, yeah. just to sort of sanity question check stuff. it. Yeah, yeah it, it's worthwhile. And it could be entirely right. You could have someone look at it and everything you're doing is great, but it's, again, having those mentors, whether they be a business mentor, an injector mentor, yeah. who you can run ideas off. And eventually, you know what, it, it sort of comes back because eventually those people reach a point where you might be asking them for advice one day. Yeah. It's not like you, sometimes the relationship can change. It's not always that you have to be the <laughs> I mentor. I don't think you're ever going to be asking me for financial advice. I can't see a day. Maybe. Uh, who knows? I mean, <laughs> or you might pick up on something because your knowledge base has increased. Now maybe yeah. you're going to see something because, you know, we're imperfect and it's important. It's impossible to have your eye on everything all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that has given hopefully yeah. people a, a great idea of the types of yeah. topics that, um, you know, injectors that we invite on or, or sort of nominate themselves. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, shoot the breeze with David. I think we're going to organize a Zoom with you prior so you yeah. can sort of, you know, talk about your personal situation yep. and what your struggles and friction points are and so on. Um, yeah. I kind of felt like I didn't talk too much about my situation, but enough. Yeah, we did. I mean, give some little yeah. examples. And again, it, it's, we haven't really uh, fixated on a particular format, whether it's people coming on the podcast and asking us to sort of workshop their challenges and maybe throw some ideas around or look at things from a different perspective. Happy to do that. Yeah. Happy to talk to people that want to share successes that have worked really well for them. I mean, I'm not someone that, uh, you know, claims to know everything are, are far from it. So if someone's got a success story or something that like a strategy that works really well in their business, whether yeah. it be like a hiring strategy, what strategies they have to, you know, run harmonious, successful teams. Um, maybe you've got a great marketing idea. Maybe you've got, you know, cost saving strategies that have worked really well for your business. I mean, I think we're just moving away from this famine mentality and trying to um, propagate positivity and strategies that we can all implement and share with each other to make everyone's practice better. Because as we've said in the past, this industry is still really in its infancy, even though it feels <laughs> like there's so many providers and there's so many treatments being done, it feels like it's only just beginning. Yeah. Um, so come on and share your successes and your failures, your questions, your challenges. Um, I just think it's an important part of the conversation that we haven't been having. Um, so let's do it. Don't be shy. Reach yeah. out, send us a DM. Treat it as like a David, your agony aunt for yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping to learn stuff And I'll as chip well. in with, yeah. with my Yeah. And I'm happy to learn knowledge. too. I'm happy to learn too. I mean, I'm, you, you learn from having these conversations and it makes you think about things in a, in, in a different way. So yeah, don't be shy. Come on. Yeah. Look, it, it's a good spin for the podcast. I think we, we have obviously heavily focused on nitty gritty injecting and we'll still do that. Yeah. But I, I, I do feel like we're not getting enough value from you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I'm going to extract more value from you. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but joking aside, I, I think it's it, all injectors will find it useful. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, um, stay tuned. I think we've we've organised, as you said, our first guest. So we'll be doing the Zoom with her in the next few days and, and putting together a list of topics and, and questions and, and discussion. She's a new injector that um, she's from the UK. She um, was working for the NHS and, and went through a lot of the challenges and, and sort of points that we spoke about in terms of how do I do my business to go and work somewhere else and so on. So I'm looking forward to my Zoom chat with her, but I think it's going to be a really interesting and insightful episode for people, especially those new injectors yeah. who are facing the same sort of decision-making process and, and wondering how they're going to do it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And guys, again, um, the easiest way to communicate with us and, and yep. either just interact with us. Uh, we always put out sort of um, the next podcast coming topic so you guys can submit questions. Yep. That's the easiest way um, to get the link to our WhatsApp. Just go to Inside Aesthetics Podcast on Instagram. Yep. That's our handle. Just click the bio link and then down at the bottom, there's a link to our WhatsApp. A few people have said it wasn't working, but if you find that, just DM us through Instagram and we'll send you the link. Did, um, you, did you want to mention anything about our Patreon? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, we, we've thrown around a few ideas with um, sort of, I guess, uh, listeners who, who are happy to sort of help and, and throw around ideas. And we've sort of said, you know, what's reasonable yeah you know we've we've put a lot of time and and i guess effort into the podcast it's always been free but i think we've come to a point where it's grown so big and and like you said at the start people find so much value from it that we want to you know, reinvest bring yeah. in more but also it can't just c- continue to be free we've we've invested a lot and we are still trying to reach out to some sponsors yep. so we don't you know the onus isn't on the listener of course yeah. but if you feel like you want to contribute um even in the tiny way we have set up a patreon yep. so again the link is through our bio link yep. on, on instagram just scroll down to the bottom there's a link for patreon if you don't know what patreon is it's basically where um you know listeners of say a podcast or or, or something like that you you can just contribute yeah and literally it could be sort of a price of a coffee a month it's yeah. not a lot yeah but we would hugely value um you know the help guys because then we can do more for you yeah we appreciate any support that you can that you can give and let's continue to build this community 100 percent. well guys hope you enjoyed that one a little teaser for our the business of injecting yeah. episodes excellent looking forward to it all right take care mate see you guys For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 